G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Our series is entitled, The Son of God, Understanding the Gospel of John, Part 1, a verse-by-verse audio commentary, part of the larger Understanding the Bible series. We're at the tail end of John chapter 9, and I want to just announce that this particular lesson is the last one for John, Part 1. The next lesson, beginning with John chapter 10, is the beginning of Part 2. Because what we're learning is that there's a lot of verses in John, hence I have to divide the series part one, part two. Part one has 437 verses, that's John chapters one to nine. And part two has 442 verses from John 10 to the end of the book, verse or chapter 21. So this particular lesson is called The Blind Can See and the Seeing Are Blind meaning people who can physically see, but they're not blind to the things of the world or the other way around. Once you become a follower of Jesus, you will see the things of God and you will become blind to the things of the world. Before we come to Jesus, of course, we are able to see the things of the world with its sin and seduction, but we are blind to the things of God and his kingdom. The mission of Jesus was to change that all around. And we're learning about this very forcefully as we continue and conclude the ninth chapter of the Gospel of John. So that's the title of our lesson based on John 9 verses 32 to 41. So let me just read a couple of verses here. Verse 35, John 9, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. The him is the blind man who can now see. And when he found him, He said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Well, friends, this is part of the happy ending of a chapter that's in some ways a little bit bizarre. The chapter begins with a mighty messianic healing done right there in Jerusalem. Then, instead of rejoicing, gratitude, and worship of God, there is division. Some believed, but others didn't. And the ones that didn't had the political clout. And so there was some suffering involved. For this man who was healed, he was cast out of the synagogue for being favorable to Jesus. As we see here in what we've just read, Jesus sought him out and asked him if he believed, if he believed in the Son of God. And once he was told who the Son of God was, unlike his inquisitors and persecutors, the former blind man doesn't doubt 
he starts believing. And in fact, he starts to worship. Well, after all, when you have been delivered from blindness, which has afflicted you all your life, that should be the correct response. Gratitude and worship. Gratitude to the vessel of healing, worship of God who made the healing possible in the first place. But we're not just dealing with any situation. We're dealing with Jesus, and we're dealing with Jerusalem. And these two, the the man and his future capital city, were on a collision course. Paradoxically, the same Jerusalem that welcomed Jesus rapturously as the son of David during the Palm Sunday procession would crucify him within days of that wonderful welcome. So here in John 9, 32 to 41, the blind man who is now healed concludes his lecture to the Pharisees, and he gets thrown out of the synagogue. Jesus comes back into his life at the very right time. And that is a lesson for all of us in that. Once Jesus was revealed for who he really is, the man worshiped. And even then, there'll be some who scratch their heads and wonder, what is all this about? Let's now read the rest of the segment here of John 9, verses 32 to 41. Our lesson is called, The Blind Can See, The Seeing Are Blind. John 9, 32 to 41. Friends, let's listen to God's word. This is, of course, the healed blind man who is continuing and concluding his lecture to the Pharisees. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and is he that talketh with thee? And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words, and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If you were blind, you should have no sin. But now ye say, We see. Therefore your sin remaineth. A reading is from John 9, verses 32 to 41. And again, the lesson is called, The Blind Can See, The Seeing Are Blind. Let's listen to what God's Word is telling us this day. The lecture continues, John 9, 32. The healing of a blind man at the Pool of Siloam in Jerusalem became a source of friction and division, not of rejoicing. Because after all, this was Jerusalem, the city and the heart of stone. The religious establishment was offended and threatened by the ever-popular ministry of Jesus of Nazareth. He was becoming more and more a rival to them. So they were in turmoil how to derail his ministry. Since the blind man was healed on the Sabbath day, 
they thought they could accuse him of Sabbath-breaking. Yet, when they tried to convince the blind man that his healer was a sinner, after questioning him repeatedly, he ends up lecturing them. The man, he said, healed my eyes and couldn't possibly be a sinner, as they alleged, for the simple reason that only God can cause the blind to see, and God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the righteous. Then he continues, Since the beginning of the world, has anyone heard of a person opening the eyes of the blind? Answer, no. Nobody. Jesus, in this regard, is truly special. And then the healed man comes to his grand conclusion. John 9.33 If Jesus were not from God, he could do nothing. This is not just well said, but it's very true. However, it would not prevent the healed man from winding up rejected, ostracized, and mistreated. Friends, remember, truth is glorious, it's wonderful, it's liberating and life-giving, but it's confrontational. And the darkness doesn't like truth, and it will fight and resist and obstruct and hinder at every turn if it can. It is important to understand it takes courage to know the truth, to uphold the truth, to speak the truth. Any coward can lie, but the courageous know that there is no future outside of the truth. Freedom depends on it. Salvation depends on it. Eternity depends on it. We need to remember that truth, God's truth, is worth everything. Well, this healed man is going to learn this lesson, and he will be blessed, even though initially he is cursed, or shall we say, persecuted. So what happens? How dare you lecture us? John nine thirty four. The healed man was not yet fully a believer in Jesus, but the truth is he was on his way. He was close enough. The elite revile him again. And this is what they said. You were born in sins, and now you presume to lecture us? By the way, interesting point. Were they not themselves born in sins? How is it that some men were born in sins and others not? I suspect they believed that because he was born blind, he must have sinned. Yeah, he must have sinned in his mother's womb that he was born blind. That was probably their warped reasoning. After all, or shall we say, after that very explosive statement, they ejected this man from the synagogue. Again, we don't know which synagogue, but we know it was in Jerusalem, and we know now this man who was blind to Jesus and to the world was now able to see Jesus, but he was dying to the world, which was a good thing. Then we read a most remarkable thing in John 9, verse 35. Jesus heard that the man that he healed was cast out of the synagogue. What is the Lord's response? It says that he went looking for him until he was found. Well, this is a wonderful affirmation. As we're going to learn in John 10, the next chapter, Jesus is the good shepherd. The good shepherd knows the sheep and looks for the sheep that are lost until they are found. 
So just remember, just as Jesus looked for this man who was rejected, Jesus will come after you as well. Don't reject him when he comes by. He is a good shepherd. If you're one of his lost sheep, he's after you, and he's not going to stop until he's found you. The worst thing you can do is run from him. The wisest, most courageous, and most future-ready thing you can do is when he comes your way, you start meeting him. Come in his direction. Draw nigh unto God, and God will draw nigh unto you. So Jesus is back. He goes looking for the healed man, and then he finds him. The good shepherd looks for his sheep. Then Jesus asks this man a most important question. Do you believe on the Son of God? This title is what John's Gospel seeks to prove. Perhaps this point more than any else. You can read this in John 20, verse 31. Now, years ago, there was a theological debate between a Christian and a non-Christian. The non-Christian was actually very informed about the New Testament. I think he could even quote some verses. But he wasn't quoting it out of devotion. He was quoting it to disprove, or what he thought was to disprove, the veracity of the New Testament. And one of the things this unbeliever said is that nowhere did Jesus ever call himself the Son of God. Well, let's give some context here. In the Gospels, Jesus seems to favor the term Son of Man. But you know what? He does use the phrase Son of God in reference to himself. Where does he use it? Well, he uses it right here in John 9, verse 35, and again in John 9, verse 37. He is affirming precisely that he is God's Son, and that if you believe this fact, it is the difference between life and death. That's how important it is to know the real Jesus. He's more than just a great moral teacher. He's more than just someone that does miracles. He's more than just a prophet or a priest or a king. Jesus is the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God. And because of that, he can be a great Savior. He can be sinless. He can be at the same time, son of man, a wonderful role model for us all. That's who he is. And verse 36, the healed man, stunned by his rejection and ejection, now is comforted by the presence of the man who healed him. And he asked the question, who is he, Lord, this son of God, that I can believe on him? In this case, Jesus reveals his identity. John nine thirty seven. Jesus tells the man that he has already seen the Son of God. Well, when did he do that? Well, he saw him, and in fact, it's the one speaking to him right that moment. Could it be any plainer than that? In other words, Jesus saying, I who speak to you am he. Do you remember where else he said those words? Yes, that was in John 4, with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, by Jacob's well, to be exact, he tells her that I who speak to you am the Messiah. Now he's speaking to the healed blind man, I who speak to you am the Son of God. They go hand in hand. 
What is the righteous response of this blind man, now healed? John 9, 38. He says, Lord, I believe. Those three words make all the difference. Lord, I believe. Lord means master. I believe is our response to the master. And he worshiped Jesus there. Please note, whenever people worship Jesus, he accepts it willingly. This fact is another pointer to his divinity as Son of God. Progressive revelation. As I mentioned earlier, I think in another program, the healed man grows in his knowledge of Christ as John chapter 9 proceeds. Here are the steps. In verse 11, he recognizes that Jesus is the man. In verse 17, that Jesus is the prophet. In verse 27, Jesus is the mentor or master. In verse 33, Jesus is a man of God. Verses 35 to 38, that Jesus is the Son of God. In verse 38, Jesus is an object of faith, Lord, I believe. And in that same verse 38, Jesus is an object of worship. So verse 39, the blind will see and seeing will be blind. Jesus then makes a startling statement. He came as the great divider or judge, not unlike a continental divide. The rainwater will go in opposite directions to opposite oceans, depending on which side of the divide it falls. He wants to make the blind see, and at the same time, which is what he did in this chapter, he wants to have an interesting twist. He wants to help those who see to become blind. Those who had their eyes open like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, after their sins, Jesus wants the opposite to happen. They now become deaf, dumb, and inoperable to temptation and sin. So, summarized, Jesus wants those who cannot see physically to see, and those who see physically, as well as the things of the world, he wants them to become blind. Not blind physically, but blind spiritually, to those things that do corrupt and destroy. Verse 40, the Pharisees standing with him asked the question, whether it's sincere or sneering, I can't tell you. They said, are we blind also? Our last verse, verse 41, when you are blinded by Jesus to sin, death, and the destruction of this world order, then you become righteous. But if you continue to see, which here can be the antithesis of faith, because we walk by faith and not by sight, then your sin remains. Remember, these Pharisees lived a religious life and had religious righteousness, but it was not enough to take away their sin. So our lesson is called, The Blind Can See, The Seeing Are Blind. And our lesson for life is this, The new birth will both open your eyes to God and close them to the world. Now, remember, friends, this is the last lesson, John chapters 1 to 9, last lesson of part 1, and the next lesson is the beginning of part 2, John chapters 10 to 21. With that, let's pray. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name that you're causing us to see spiritually and to be blind spiritually. We want to see the things of God and the kingdom, which are eternal, and not the things of the fallen world, which are temporal. So help us to get our priorities right and to live this life for your glory 
in Christ's name. Amen. Today's On The Rock was brought to you by Teach All Nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, to download podcasts, view our online store, attend special events, sign up for our teaching newsletter, make a donation to support this ministry, or to invite Dr. Camille to speak, log on to www.tan.org.au or write to us at Post Office Box 493, Mount Waverley 3149. for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.